Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, it is episode 49. Sure is. And you are up this week. Mm -hmm. What have you brought to the table today? All right. I am bringing a documentary called After Truth, Disinformation and the Cost of Fake News. Mm. Uh, The documentary dives into a few, uh, quite a few, disinformation stories and uh, some of the characters who are behind creating those stories. Yes. Uh, Characters is a a polite word for it, Uh I think. Uh, And how they sort of propagated those stories and, and got them into... Um, the mainstream sort of and got them to be talked about more Um, but to list out a few of them they talked about a military operation in Bastrop Texas uh, that was allegedly about practicing um, the military practicing enacting martial law right uh, and that President Obama was allegedly going to do that before he left office Mm mm-hmm uh, they talked about Pizzagate, uh, which was a theory Oof. about Comet Ping Pong, a pizza place in D.C. Just right down the street. Right down it's the street. Comet. It's great. It was supposedly a secret sex dungeon where they were trafficking kids, uh, you know, with Hillary Clinton and her staff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that, I think, in a little bit probably, yeah. too. Uh, they talked about conspiracies surrounding Seth Rich uh, and his murder. Uh, Seth Rich was a DNC staffer uh, who was murdered in a mugging, uh, but then was accused of of uh leaking things to WikiLeaks yep. and then being found out and killed off because of that. Uh, and then there's a story about some election disinformation in the Alabama special senate race with Doug Jones and Roy Moore. Um you know Roy Moore. Oh god, <laughs> talk about a, a piece <laughs> of tea. Um, yeah. yeah, Roy Moore didn't need any help uh um you know sabotaging his own campaign, but some people helped uh try to do that too. Um they also mentioned the smear campaign against Robert Mueller during the Russia interf- uh, investigation. Um, and so they dove into quite a few uh, conspiracies yeah. and mentioned a few others. But it's it's really fascinating to see how much of this is generated by the right wing and how much they've glommed on to this tactic of creating falsified information that has like a little kernel of truth. Right. And then being able to spread that Um out in, into the sort of public, um, especially, you know, as a way to create division mm-hmm. um, and a way to create feeling like people are under attack, like yes. their values are being undermined. Um, yeah. So the documentary was super informative and uh, a little, a lot terrifying. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. And I know we won't get to everything I just mentioned here because th- that's a lot. I mean, you know, the documentary was 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm curious if there's a moment or a topic that kind of stood out to you that you want to mention or, or get started. How you how you want to start to talk about this? Yeah. Like, yeah, we definitely won't get to everything uh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, for me, I think just sort of my overall reaction, like general reaction to this, I, I think the word is fascinating. Right. Yeah. Like I can't think of a better word than fascinating to describe it. I think like for all of the reasons and sort of the the sort of examples of this disinformation, fake news that they shared um, and 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 for all those reasons and more. Right. I think I think this was a really relevant and super timely film. Right. Like given Mm -hmm. all that we're seeing and experiencing in our society right now in terms of the news and 
politics, social issues, social media, right? And they spend a lot of time talking about sort of the use of social media, the use of the internet technology, yeah. right? Um, and, and I mean, all of that is so ingrained in sort of all aspects of our lives. And I think we're really consumed by all of that mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, right? And yeah. so for, for better or for worse. So I, I th but I do think that there, and I believe this, I do think there's so much potential good and helpfulness, helpful things that can come from and does come from these things, right? Like the news, social media and whatnot. But um, so I, what I appreciated is this documentary uh, work to really sort of like shine a light on the power and impact of, of fake news and how fake news spreads and how fake news can be used as a weapon, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we all need to sort of see and recognize and, and talk about, right? Especially in terms of its impact on real people and real issues that that affect all of us. And, and you know, in particular, and I, and I definitely want to talk about this, like that Seth Rich case in particular, yeah. and like listening to his brother talk about it. Yeah. Um, like this has real consequences for real people, right? And so, um, so I, I definitely want to talk about that. That stood out to me. And, you know, I think there's also this idea of, you know, how fake news gets us away from the truth, right? And disinformation yeah. really just gets mm -hmm. us away from the truth about what is happening, who we are, what we need, what is reality. Um, and, and you know, in the context of our, our, our little podcast here, right? Like what we need to have a more just society, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, one of the things I think about as, as you were talking about is um, how much information we have access to just all mm. of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is a um, fire hose just of information yes. constantly and you have to figure out how to uh, control what it is that you take in yeah. um, and, and filter it through um, sort of informed uh, practice, I, I guess, around who you trust and who you don't and, and what you believe and, and what you don't and what you do extra research on all those things. Right. Um, which is, if you think about it, not something that we've necessarily had to do a lot of over the course of um, human history in terms of like basic kind of facts, right? right. Like there's some really clear examples in here of, um, you know, the Bastrop military operation. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to be a little suspicious of an eight month military operation sure. um, happening around the corner. Like, what are you all actually up to? Yep. Um, but to then jump and say, like, it's practicing for the enactment of martial law. Like, like what? That's a leap. Based on what? That, yeah. That's a big leap. Yeah. Um, so wanting to know more versus then this becoming the over the, the, the dominating narrative yes. about what's happening. Um, those are the kinds of things where it's like we I don't know, we haven't had the opportunity in the same way for somebody to just, uh, you know, send out a message that like this is martial law yeah. um, that we do now. Right. So people people have access to do that kind of thing more. And, and it uh, it takes more practice to like try to filter through yeah, those but things it's than, than ever before. Absolutely. Um, and I think when you talk about like real people. Um, and the impact on real people too, like I think about Pizzagate and mm. that's why Pizzagate to me is just so terrifying. Yes. Um, cause similarly to, to Bastrop, Texas, all it took was some emails and some people just making stuff up. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then trying to say that, um, you know, the John Podesta emails that got leaked, um, 
that the discussion of ordering pizza for staffers in there was somehow code for ordering, um, like child children. Yeah. Yeah. Child, um, sex slaves essentially. Um, and you know, then people had access to tools to easily spread this disinformation. And then it ultimately led to somebody showing up at the pizza place, at the restaurant with a gun. Yeah. I mean, he drove all the way from North Carolina. Right. Right. Um, so he drove several hours mm-hmm. um, to go check it out because he felt like he, he, he it was his responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so he just started walking around, like mm-hmm. searching for these dungeons or, you know, whatever, um, and, and not, found nothing. And not just a gun, an AR-15. Oh, yeah, yeah. A rifle. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. military grade yes. weapon. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, it's terrifying when you think about some of the ludicrous things that like people can send you. Yeah. Right. Even in um, my job, which I think, you know, for the most part is fairly innocuous, mm-hmm. uh, the work that I do um, in terms of like shaking things up. But I've, you know, received letters from uh, some right wing conspiracy person. Um, because my students a few years ago were pushing for some changes to their organization to be more inclusive. They're going to create some new positions and focus on like right. diversity and inclusion is, yeah. is um, what they were looking for. And uh, these are not radical changes. No. They're pretty in line with some of the other kinds of reforms that they had made um, to the organization. But this guy found the story online uh, and then sent two sets of letters about it. Mm. And so, um, you know, like and some of the stuff in it is just wild. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so none of us are that far away from being put into this kind of position where something that we're connected to is then warped and taken advantage of. And then like we're suddenly in like the crosshairs. Like I think about the owner of mm-hmm. Comet Pizza and how yeah. he's still kind of just receiving death threats. And in the in the in the <laughs> documentary, he's like, yeah, this, that's just part of my life. That's now. just part of my life now. Like I, it was yeah wild to sort of watch him sort of reflect on it sort of in the aftermath now and just sort of say yeah that's that's my life now i'm like what yeah like you shouldn't have to live like that and so um this again has real consequences as i said right Mm -hmm. and and an impact on real people's lives so yeah i that was fascinating i mean i obviously we don't live too far from that and so that was sort of a big story um for us around here but it was it was um you know wild to sort of revisit it and um, so all of that was just built on fake news. And I think a big thing about this documentary was, you know, I was fascinated by how this documentary like explored what, what fake news is, like what mm-hmm. the purpose of it is. Like, as I said earlier, how it's used as a weapon. Right. And we got to hear, as you sort of alluded to in the beginning, some of the most like sensational manifestations of, of, of this fake news and what disinformation can do, um, to, a, to our society. Right. And, um, you know, we talked about characters. We didn't just hear from those characters. We heard from journalists to folks from the media, um, some researchers, right? And then all of those characters you you allude to, conservative pundits and conspiracy theorists. Um, and, and for me, I think the overarching message or thread was this idea that at its core, fake news is dangerous, mm-hmm. right? And, and as I said, can be weaponized. And so in addition to Pizzagate, we also saw the, the story of um, Seth Rich, right? And we got to, uh, his brother was interviewed. And as you said, Seth Rich was that DNC staffer who was murdered. This was back in 2016 uh, after those leaked emails from the DNC. And 
I, I it was it was difficult to sit and watch Seth Rich's brother. I don't know why I can't think of his name. Uh, he talked about how he and his family weren't able to grieve, right, mm-hmm. and still really haven't been able to grieve because of all the sort of all of that fake news and disinformation out there about the circumstances of his death. And that just really sort of broke my heart, right? Like when you lose someone, you should be able to grieve them. But, you know, there was this sort of onslaught of fake news, onslaught from Fox News and Sean Hannity, right? And and so that that just really broke my heart. And so, yeah, between Pizzagate and and the Seth Rich case, right, they're just two examples uh, from this film, right? And so, um, which makes me think about something that the, I mentioned researchers. There's a researcher in this film who sort of defined fake news from an academic perspective. Yeah. And I want to come back to that. But I think really and truly these examples show just how dangerous fake news is and can be, right? Yeah. And it uh, reminds me of this. The uh, Kara Swisher um, was uh, mm-hmm. one of the people interviewed mm-hmm. um, and hosts a podcast called Recode Decode. Yeah. Um, and so she talked about social media tools, you know, the tools that we have at our disposal now and how we don't even really think about how powerful they are or, yeah. or what they are or, or what they can do um, because they're just so ubiquitous. Yes. Right. They're kind of just baked into our culture now. Um, but she talks about them in a particular way that I think is so important to understanding fake news um, because she says that they're the most powerful communication tools in the history of the world. In the history of the world. I had like pause when she said that. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and it's interesting because I think that, you know, um, I think about like our lifetimes mm-hmm. um, is social media has been developed as we have been adults. Yes. Right. Um, and uh you know, myself being an early-ish adopter to like Twitter. I think mm-hmm. I joined in 2009 um, as an example. And Facebook, right, like originally was just for college students. Yep. And so we joined before it was this kind of behemoth yep. um, and sort of watched it transform in both ways. So it's, it's interesting to think about it in that way because it hasn't always been that. Yes, for us, um, right? And yeah. now it, it is. It is um, mm. And so it's been this like sort of gradual thing. Um, But so she compares these tools to guns, right? Um, And she says most of these communication tools are guns. And what do you do with a gun? You shoot it. Yeah. That's what it's for. Um, And I think that's powerful, particularly when you think about the beginning um, where she calls it the most powerful communication tools ever. Um, You know, we, we have access to publish content send it anywhere in the world um you know the printing press was revolutionary but this is almost unimaginable right yeah um especially like for as an example for our podcast when i look at the the statistics we have you know not a lot of listeners from around the world Mm -hmm. but we have people like i have to scroll to like see all of the countries that this has been listened to in yeah um fascinating yeah and so it's it's uh wild to think about that um that how we you know we're not necessarily that's not necessarily our target audience is, is but we're reached like there's some people who's listened in the, the philippines right and, um and so that's you know the printing press was one thing this right like this is wild mm-hmm. um and the point about guns is key because how dangerous of a tool a gun is when not used with caution right and we, the users, don't even really understand the danger of the tools that we've been given um, and the companies themselves, right? She 
she interviewed uh, Mark Zuckerberg um, and he sort of denied some of the danger that exists with like sort of um, Holocaust deniers. Right. That they weren't intentionally uh. lying. Um, and she's like, no, that's the purpose. Like the purpose is to lie. Right. Um, and so, you know, they either don't understand the danger in these platforms and the things that people are doing with them, or they're they're playing dumb and choosing not to do anything about it because there's money tied there to it somehow. Money. Absolutely, yeah. That uh, I I really did appreciate sort of Kara's take on everything and sort of her talking about social media and and the power um, of those entities and the impact that they're having. And yeah, her talking to interviewing Mark and even sort of watching their clips in this of Mark's testimony in the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think she referred to this idea of, you know, these young white men are, mm-hmm. are running these these companies and these platforms. And, you know, as you said, is it sort of this woeful ignorance? Is it just choosing to not <laughs> care because of the money? Right. Or do they really not get it? I mean, there's a lot to sort of unpack there when you right. think about it. Right? Or having not been harassed before because you're right. You know, for the most part, cisgender, straight, white male. Absolutely. Like, and, so there's not a lot about your identity that's ever under attack. So you don't see that you need to build in some like uh, guardrails for how the platform gets used. Absolutely. Yeah. She makes that point. It was a great one. So yeah, yeah, that, that stood out to me. You know, I was uh, also struck by, and I mentioned this earlier that, that researcher, um, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing his name right. Yohai Benkler. Um, He talked about, you know, fake news and its impact on sort of real people in our, in our society. He's the director of the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University. Uh, and in addition to that, he's a lawyer and a, and a professor of sort of law and legal studies and an author. And so right before he, the film introduces us to the Seth Rich case, uh, Benkler says this, and, I, and I'm going to quote him here. He says, you can disagree on all sorts of interpretations about a particular subject, but not when there's falsehood. When we study false news and disinformation, what we see repeatedly are things that, in theory, could be just interpretation, get made up of discrete bits of narrative that are distinctly false. It's very clear that what you have here is a propagandist effort to try and achieve a result. And, I, you know, I, I, I just think that's a great way to sort of define what fake news is and, and what it does, right? Yeah. Like the idea of it being sort of a propagandist effort to try and achieve a result it's clearly accurate when you then sort of immediately show us the Seth Rich case and use that as a case study which the film did right and so we saw the news about his murder and then we saw uh you call them characters Jack Berkman uh you know did this what the work he did to create the fake news about the circumstances surrounding his murder yeah and then Ooh, that fake news just spread, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, or not ironically, right? Like how that fake news spread at this exact same time of the Mueller investigation into Russian interference in our uh, in our national election, right? And so, sort of this this effort to distract us from that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just really appreciate it, sort of the work Bankler did to define what fake news is and to do it in that way because I think it it helped make clear just how dangerous this is on so many levels yeah um yeah jack berkman's a piece of work um and apparently sort of infamous in dc for kind of making stuff up right um 
so yeah, that that's uh, that's one of the char- he's definitely one of the characters yes. I referred to earlier. Um, one of the other interesting things to me here when we think about sort of the prevention of of fake news, okay, um, is that um, you know there are companies out who are trying to do work to like fight it. Yes. Right? One of them oh, is yeah. called new information. Good. Um, and they were given funding to try to find ways to prevent disinformation and, um, you know, find ways to prevent it being spread the way that it is. Um, but they were actually found to be doing just that during the special election yeah. for the Alabama Senate seat. Yeah. Which is interesting because it seemed to be, so it, it, it's interesting in a few ways. It seemed to be one of the first or maybe just few, maybe one of the few times where some sort of Democrat supporting people did this fake news thing and created pages that supported ludicrous ideas on the right and aligned those with ideas uh, with Roy Moore and try to connect the dots between um, like these very f- sort of fringe conservative ideas mm-hmm. and then connecting those to Roy Moore so that like sort of more mainstream conservative people will be like, Oh, that's oh, what no. Roy Moore is about. Like, yeah. ah, no, um, can't vote for that. Right. And so that, um, you know, and then Roy Moore did that himself when he was accused of uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault, I believe, of underage uh, women. Um, but the real issue here is not necessarily the side that these companies are on, but that they're, you know, new information in particular is supposed to be researching how to put a stop to some of this stuff. Period, right? Yeah. And instead they're spreading it, which mm-hmm. feels like a way to disqualify yourself from being a researcher of the solution to the problem like yes. when you're contributing to the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think about the those sort of companies that exist and if if it were to exist it's got to be sort of neutral right it's got to be that's you've got to stick to your mission right and and clearly in this example um they did not Mm -hmm. they really did not so um hopefully we see more of that i mean I, i think that is what the um the Berkman Klein Center is trying to at least research and do right from a sort of an academic perspective Mm -hmm. um so hopefully we see more of that um you know, the other thing I sort of thought about as I, uh, when the documentary was over and I was reflecting on it, was sort of this idea about fake news and and the connections to all the things we've been talking about here recently on the show, right? Like we've talked about the the recent attacks on critical race theory, right? The the backlash to the 1619 project and the creation of that god awful 1776 commission, right? Way back right. when, um, how we've talked about movements and activism and and uprisings, right? Um, or even how we've talked about public safety and, and the police and, and the need for abolition, right? Um, you know, we talk about social justice and, and collective liberation here on this podcast, and this film mm-hmm. just reminds me of how, of what I should say fake news has done and continues to do to sort of hurt our efforts to get to the place that we need to be, right? Yeah, it. Um, you know, the point is to create division and to create... Um, but propaganda yeah. that um, I think, you know, drives us further apart and further entrenches us in our in our different places, mm-hmm. um, rather than being able to hear each other. Yes, um, that's it. And I think that, uh, yeah, the sort of continued effort of that happening, and it, it, you know, more in terms of volume and more in terms of probably effectiveness mm-hmm. on the right, uh, which is just sort of undermining in a lot of ways these. Um, beautiful ideas around what like justice could look like or what, what liberation could look like and um, preventing us from even having those conversations. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. All right, let's shift, uh, talk about application. All right. Um, you know, I, I think about this uh, playing out in our day-to-day lives all the time. Yeah. Um, you think about vaccine hesitancy that is going around because of the whispers and rumors on the internet, oh, yeah. um, right, and sort of people who don't have any kind of aversion to vaccines being like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Right. Or like, what are the side effects? And it's like, well side effects are like what the normal vaccine side effects have been for our whole lives Mm -hmm. basically um or just how much our lives and the response to covid has been altered because of some of this stuff you know it's really difficult to like wrap my head around like how much of our public health response to this has been altered or 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 um sort of weakened weakened is the word because of like rumors and whispers on the internet um probably a lot lot. it's hard to like sort of quantify um in the same way that it's hard to quantify how russian interference in information in our social networks and like the advertising that they bought on facebook and stuff actually how many votes it actually changed right Right. like that's hard to quantify Mm. um but we're also seeing this stuff play out in news media with political stories. Yeah. Um, right. And so one of the things that I appreciated about um, the reporter from the New York Times, who I believe was Adam Goldman, okay, right. um, is that he refused to write about that press conference that was a farce. <laughs> farce. Um, <laughs> where those snake oil salesmen, Berkman and Wall, um, tried to accuse Robert Mueller of sexual assault. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing this kind of stuff happen in that those kinds of ways but also in minor kinds of ways and all over the place on the internet and i think it's really important that we understand how it's how it works what the purpose is it's the sort of propaganda yes. angle of it um because we're potentially consuming it all of the time and i think when we understand it we can uh give things a, a, a good sniff test and be like nope that's that's that ain't that's it. not it yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, that smells like BS. It, and, and it is. It looks like BS. And it, look, it is BS. Yeah. Well, and especially the, uh, <laughs> what you call it? Snake oil salesman? Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. That that press conference. Oh, it made my it, it made my blood boil, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine sort of sitting in that space and listening to those two. I mean, just watching it on, on television, this documentary, was um, was difficult. So to yeah. be in that space, yeah, with those snake oil salesmen. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. And that's sort of... It was that's aligned with sort of what I'm thinking around application, right? Is we have to be critical about our consumption of the news, mm-hmm. right? It's important that we use good judgment when taking in the news, and also, again, given the power of social media and the internet, right? Like when we're talking about it with other people, and when we're sharing it with other people, particularly with in uh, with those uh, with those media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that point can't be emphasized enough, especially with what we saw in this film. And um, I think another piece of that is like the notion of how quickly news can spread was sort of a big piece of this film for me. Um, But it's really, it's not difficult to see that when you understand sort of how fast paced our world is, right? Like the 24 hour news cycle, again, social media, the internet. So recognizing that is also a piece of this critical consumption that I think we all need to be doing as well. Right. Uh And so, um, and again, I, I just think there's so much real world applicability. You talked about COVID, right? So the the power and impact that this news has on real people and real issues, right? So our COVID response or healthcare or education, right? Public, our conversations around public safety and abolition, right? Like I think, these real and present day issues and challenges facing us are often 
impacted by what's out there in the news. So, mm-hmm. yeah, our our critical consumption is is in our ability to be critical consumers of news is I think the biggest takeaway in application of a film like this. Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. Um, I feel like that's a skill we all need to sort of hone in and develop, yes. right? Um, all right, so let's talk about homework. All right. um, I think one of the things for homework uh, here is pushing for some regulation of social media sites mm. um, to quell disinformation. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Kara Swishers talked about is that um, these are not public squares. These are private platforms, yes. uh, and those private platforms can choose to regulate what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they need to be um, sort of pushed into that regulation um, idea or, or mindset or whatever framework, uh, then let's let's find a way to do that. Um, because there's no reason for like Holocaust denial to have a platform on Facebook or wherever at all um, as an example. Uh, and so, and I know they've, they've been trying to crack down a little bit since this, uh, documentary was maybe filmed, but yeah, not uh, enough, you know, not, not quickly enough. enough. So I think that that's something to, uh, maybe push for. Um, I think it's also finding ways to challenge people we know, uh, if they post fake stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've done this a couple times when I've seen someone post a meme that's easily proven false. Um, there was one a few years ago that was like, uh, for democratic women um, talking about abortion, um, but all of the quotes were not about abortion. Ah. Um, and I was like, because the wording of it, I was like, that, what? This is weird. Like, this does not pass my sniff test. Yeah. And so I posted um, like the origins of those four quotes on somebody's post. Good. And I was like, look, this is not, that's not what this is. Yeah. Um, Good for you. Yeah. But and I and I think that that is one of the things that that like people hate more than whatever it is that they're angry about mm-hmm. is it when they figure out that they're being duped. Yes. Because somebody wants them to be angry about whatever it is the thing that they're angry about. Um and I, I think that that's something that we maybe need to lean into a little bit. I, yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm just guessing. Yeah. But if People hate being like sort of having the wool pulled over their eyes. Maybe that's something that we are like, look, look at all this wool. Absolutely. So pull it back. Right. Yeah. And, and and that I think ties in so closely to to being critical consumers about things, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. Cosign. Um I, I, I think there's lots of homework from a film like this one. Again, just sort of given how uh, you said ubiquitous, right? Mm-hmm. The news and technology and social media is in our lives. So I actually want to look into more of what the Ber- Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Social uh, Internet and Society uh, at Harvard is doing, right? Um, Yohai Benkler, I really just enjoyed what he had to say throughout the film and his perspective yeah. and on so much of this. And so I want to look into what the center is doing around research into fake news and disinformation and, mm-hmm. uh, and but also sort of generally or, or more broadly as it relates to internet and, and cyberspace. I think they're doing some work there as well. And so um, I, again, these tools are everywhere, right? And these tools are powerful. So I'm interested in learning more about some of the research that's happening uh, out there about all of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. I think, um, you know, finding these places that are fighting this, I think is super important. And yes. Because they're going to be doing important work. 
um, this continues to be important, right? All right, let's talk about the next episode we got coming up. Let's do it. Episode number 50. Oh, man. We made it. <laughs> um, 50 episodes in a year, which yes. is sort of mind-boggling. Mind um, so we're actually going to bring a special episode, uh, episode number 50, later this week. Yep. Uh, in that episode, we're going to reflect on our year doing this podcast and the things we've learned or meaningful moments or, you know, stuff that stood out to us, whether it's media or things we talked about here, um, quotes, what have you. Um, and then we'll be back in 2022 with our regular episodes. Uh, and you'll be up then, my friend, to bring yes. something new to the table. Yeah. Um, so what will that be in our first episode of the new year? I, I feel privileged and honored to be bringing the first uh, thing to the table for our first episode of, of 2022. Uh, but I'm going to give you full credit. I'm bringing a book to the table and you found it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm bringing it. You found it. So we both get credit. So we're both bringing it here. But it sounds super interesting. So so thank you for finding it. The book mm -hmm. is called Remake the World by Astra Taylor. Um, and if folks want to get it and purchase it, it is on sale right now on Haymarket Books. Mm -hmm. um, and so Remake the World is a collection of essays, right? And I'm just actually going to read the, the book description straight from Haymarket's website. It says, over the last decade, author and activist Astra Taylor has helped shift the nas national conversation on topics including technology, inequality, indebtedness, and democracy. The essays collected here reveal the range and depth of her thinking, with Taylor tacking, tackling the rising popularity of socialism, the problem of automation, the politics of listening, the possibility of rights for the natural and non-human world, the future of the university, the temporal challenges of climate catastrophe, and more. Addressing some of the most pressing social problems of our day, Taylor invites us to imagine how things could be different while never losing sight of the strategic question of how change actually happens and so i think that sounds really interesting there's lots in there that i'm sure we can unpack i i, I would imagine we probably can't even get to all of that in one yeah. episode yeah. Um, but that's what we're going to do in wow episode 51 uh in our first episode of the new year so i'm looking forward to that me too yeah i've been uh been wanting to read that book i think it only came out a few months ago so perfect um yeah it sounds great uh and you know, wide ranging, which is fun. Yes. Um, all right. Well, you know, with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do here. But in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating, a review, share a podcast with the people in your life. Uh, give us a follow over on social media. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, we got that channel up and running where yes. you can listen to these podcasts uh, in the background while you do other stuff. Or you uh, can look at our faces because they're yeah. on there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a constant image of our uh, podcast uh, cover art. Yes. Uh, and sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we got going on behind the scenes. Listen, I'm just trying to do the work to sell us here, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> hey, folks, thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.